and then toward the end of today's service like we have done for years i'll be calling all the moms forward for me to speak a mother's day blessing over you i'm, I'm trusting that uh, uh moms you're here this morning hopefully if you have family if you're married whatever uh, that your kids or husband is going to take care of today's meal I like to say on Mother's Day and Father's Day, but on Mother's Day, mom should not be in the kitchen. All the moms said, amen, unless it's to eat, and your table's there. Uh, uh, and no dishes. The family can do the dishes if you're going to be eating at home. If you're going out to eat, it's the busiest restaurant day of the year. So I hope you have reservations as well. All right, we're going to jump into the sermon this morning. I want to preach on intentional motherhood intentional motherhood uh, 109 years ago in 1914 by an act of congress president woodrow wilson proclaimed the second sunday in may as mother's day and so this has been going on for over 100 years but he established the day as a time for quote public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country let me read that again public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. It is certainly true that no nation is ever greater than its mothers, for they are the makers, the true makers of the next generation. When America loses her godly motherhood, she is lost. Mother's Day also gives us an opportunity to fulfill the scriptural command to honor thy mother. And we want to honor our moms today. How many moms would say, you know, it's not easy being a mom today? It's, it's true. A mother was talking to an old college friend and said, I remember before I was married, I had three theories about raising kids, but now that I'm married, I have three kids and I have no theories. Because they kind of go out the window once you have kids. Uh, if motherhood was going to be easy, it would have never started with something called labor. All right? And that is true, too. Now, one of the most... Uh, appealing and impressing days in the life of America, honestly, is when everyone collectively from the president to the humblest tenant pauses as we should to, to pay grateful and loving tribute to the best loved person in the world, our moms. I am happy to say today that my mom is in service. They've been coming for like 20 years now. God bless you, mom. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. Uh, you'll even recall when Jesus was dying on the cross. He paused amidst his agony to reveal his love, his care, his concern for his mom as well. Like, John, behold thy mother. Uh, there's also a touching scene from history when President Garfield was being inaugurated as President of the United States of America. He turned to his mother during his inauguration and kissed her to show his appreciation for his mom from President Garfield. Now, whatever is good or bad about the world and the people in it, it can be traced back very largely to the impact that we had as kids of our parents. Someone has said, there has never been a great man who has not been inspired to greatness by, but by his mother. And how true that is. For the foundation of greatness is laid at the mother's knee, and the taller the structure, the stronger must be the foundation. Thomas Edison said, when I was growing up as a boy... There was only one person who said that I would ever amount to anything. Well, Thomas Edison was at the foot of his class. His teacher told him he wouldn't amount to anything, but his mother took it upon herself 
to teach her son, you know, uh, the school subjects and such. And Thomas Edison later said she was the best companion that a boy ever had. And I determined right then and there to be worthy of her and show her that her confidence was not misplaced. In other words, he knew that even though the teacher said, you're not going to amount to anything, that he had a mom that said, hey, you can do whatever you want to do. I'm thankful for that. Henry Ford said, I have tried to live my life as my mother would have wished. She taught me as a boy that service is the highest duty to others. I believe her then and believe her now. My mother, though perhaps never heard of, was the making of me, said Henry Ford. And then Andrew Jackson said, The memory of my mother and her teachings were the only capital I had to start life with. And on that capital, I have made my way. Well, just as many of the noble characters and fine leaders of history have, have, uh, have had good, good and God-fearing moms, it's also interesting on the flip side of that to note that the greatest criminals of history have had some bad moms. Nero's mother was a murderess. Lord, a drunken Lord Byron's mother was a proud and violent woman. John Dillinger's mother was a woman of the street. And to get biblical in 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 52, it speaks of Ahaziah, and he said, or it says of him, he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his mother, All right? And so she had a bad negative influence or impact on Ahaziah. The, the reason scripture gives for, uh, from Ahaziah's doing evil in the sight of God was because of his mother's impact. She walked, he walked in the way of his mother. And then over in 2 Chronicles 22, verse 3, speaks of Ahaziah again and says, He also walked in the way of the house of Ahab because his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. All right? And so what I'm saying is, moms, you impact your children either for good or for bad, for positive or for negative. And may God help every mom to call on him to enable you as mothers to impact your family for the, for the cause, for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. In other words, we need godly mothers and fathers more than anything else in America. See, children truly do absorb the example and the attitude of their parents. Therefore, the mother's impact cannot be measured. It takes time to build character in your kids. A drill sergeant was frustrated in his efforts to make a soldier out of a certain recruit. The trainee lagged behind on marches, used any excuse to go on sick call, grumbled constantly about the food, and, may, and never made up his cot properly as he was told to. But one day in this young recruit's life, a noticeable change took place in this guy's attitude. When asked what he attributed the soldier's change in attitude, the drill sergeant explained, threats and punishment didn't work. So I, so I had to resort to the ultimate weapon. I called his mother. Now that story reminds us once again of the powerful impact that a mother has on her children and many times even her grown children. Now speaking of kids, Let's see what some children think about mothers. The following are different answers given by school-age children, true, true answers, by school-age children to the stated questions. First of all, why were mothers created? 
The kids wrote, she's the only one who knows what a scotch tape is. <laughs> Another one, think about it. It was the best way to get more people. Makes sense. Uh, mostly to clean the house, their kids said. Uh, how were mothers made? From dirt, just like the rest of us. Magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. Just the same as I was made, except bigger parts were used. Next question, how or why were you given your mother and not some other mom? Because we're related. I like this one. She likes me a lot more than other people's moms like me. Stands to reason. What ingredients are mothers made of? Clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. They, they had to get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly used string, I think. Another question, what kind of little girl was your mom? Well, my mom has always been my mom and none of that other stuff. I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be she was pretty bossy. Another one said, they say she used to be nice. How did your mom meet your dad? <laughs> mom, mom was working in a store and dad was shoplifting. <laughs> All right, That's, there's a family story there. Uh, my, I like this. My mom was just walking in the street and my dad found her. What did mom need to know about dad before she married him? His last name. Another one, she had to know his background, like, is he a crook? Does he get drunk on beer? Does he make at least $800 a year? Did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? A lot of questions from a child. Another one, why did your mom marry your dad? Well, my, my dad makes the best spaghetti in the world, and my mom eats lots of spaghetti. She got too old to do anything else with him. My grandma says that mom didn't have her thinking cap on. All right. What makes a real woman? It means you have to be really bossy without looking bossy. Who's the boss of your home? Well, mom doesn't want to be boss, but she has to be because my dad is such a goofball. Who's the boss of your home? Mom, you can tell by room inspection. She sees the stuff under the bed. And then a child wrote, I guess mom is, but only because she has a lot more to do than dad. What's the difference between moms and dads? Moms work at work and work at home, and dads just go to work at work. Moms know how to talk to teachers without scaring them. <laughs> dads are taller and stronger. But moms have all the real power because that's who you got to ask if you want to sleep over at your friends. <laughs> what does your mom do in her spare time? Mothers don't do spare time. To tell her tell it, she pays bills all day long. What's the difference between moms and grandmas? About 30 years, I think. You can always count on grandmas for, can for candy. Sometimes mom don't even have bread on them. Uh, describe the world's greatest mom. She would make broccoli taste like ice cream. Wow, that would be a great thing. The greatest mom in the world wouldn't make me kiss my fat aunts. My aunts. Uh, she'd always be smiling and keep her opinions to herself. 
is, is there anything about your mom that's perfect? Her teeth are perfect, but she bought them at the dentist. Her casserole recipes, but we hate them. Just, I like this one, just her children are perfect. What would it take to make your mom perfect? Well, on the inside, she's already perfect, but on the outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> Another one, diet. You know, her hair, I'd diet, maybe a little bit lighter, maybe blue. Uh, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? Well, she has this weird thing about keeping my room clean and eating all my vegetables. I'd get rid of that. Out of the mouth of children, amen? Well, this morning, turn with me to an important Bible verse. It's one that is often used on Mother's Day, and I'm not talking about Proverbs 31. I'm talking about 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, where the Apostle Paul makes the following statement concerning Timothy. Paul states in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And Paul says, I am persuaded Timothy lives in you also. In other words, I am, I'm, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your faith. But your faith came from your grandma and your mom is passed down to you. In other words, what we see in Timothy was the result of intentional parenting and grandparenting. How many parents and grandparents do we have in the house this morning? Raise your hands. Parents and grandparents. All right, many of you. Oh, this morning we're going to talk about intentional motherhood. And the first point I want to make is this. Number one, intentional moms have a profound impact on her children. They have a profound impact on their children. Lord Shaftesbury was correct in his famous statement, Give me a generation of Christian mothers and I will undertake to change the whole face of society in 12 months. Wow. Give me a generation of moms. Moms who are on fire for Jesus. Moms who are impressing faith on the hearts of their children and grandchildren. And I can change the whole face of society in a short period of time. Billy Graham wrote, and this was 20 years ago in his Decision Magazine, 2003. He says, in this uncertain hour of the world's history, when the very foundations of the Christian home seem to be yielding to the battering rams of unbelief, selfishness, and immorality, this was 20 years ago, all right, we need to consider, he writes, the subject of motherhood. If we had more Christian mothers, we would have less delinquency, less immorality, less ungodliness, and fewer broken homes. Every mother owes it to her children, Billy Graham writes, to accept Christ as her personal Savior so that she may be the influence for good in the lives of those whom Christ has graciously given to her. In other words, once again, moms can have a profound impact on her kids. And so moms, my challenge to you today is to intentionally cultivate the souls of your children. Intentionally cultivate that. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, the Apostle Paul makes the following statement about Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him. There's no one else like him. In other words, he's one of a kind. There is no one else like Timothy. And again, in Acts 16, verse 2, it states, The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well 
of him. Now, what was it that caused Paul and Luke to make such commendable statements regarding Paul's dear son in the faith, Timothy? Well, the answer is found in our text this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. So Paul is recalling the profound influences that Timothy had in his life. And he says, I have been reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, your genuine, your unfeigned faith, which first lived in your grandma and also in your mom. The word sincere comes from the Greek word from which we get our English word hypocrite. In other words, it it means to be undisguised, to be without hypocrisy, to be genuine, to be sincere, to be without pretense or deceit. It's a word in the Greek language that literally rings with reality. Paul employed this word elsewhere in 1 Timothy, for example, chapter 1, verse 5, when he said, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Again, in 2 Corinthians 6, 6, where Paul used this word to describe a sincere love, he calls it a genuine love. For 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6 reads, Impurity, understanding, patience, and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere or genuine love. James also used this word as he describes the final qualification of of wisdom from above, where he says in James 3.17, it's without hypocrisy. And so the sincere faith of Timothy's mom, Eunice, and grandma Lois made a deep and lasting impression on Timothy's life. In other words, the reality of grandma's faith, the reality of mom's faith became the reality of Timothy's faith. Uh, Timothy's faith. They deeply impressed this young man. In other words, Timothy was a young man who had a godly heritage passed on down to him from his mom and his grandma. Grandmas, grandpas, never underestimate your influence on your grandkids. I know it's Mother's Day, but, but moms and grandmas have a profound impact on their children. Paul writes, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. It first lived in them, but it now lives in you. Chuck Swindoll says, If you are blessed with a good mother, you will reap the benefits of the rest of your days. If your mother neglected, though, your needs and failed to support your dad, unfortunately, much of what you suffered cannot be erased. For good or ill, a mother's mark is permanent. A mother's mark is permanent. Jill and I have been in full-time pastoral ministry uh, for more years than I can count right now, 30-some years. And, uh, and it's due in part to parents that were intentional about bringing us up in the fear and the admonition of God. Uh, as a boy, I never had the choice of whether or not I was going to attend church. I went because that's what we did. That's what she did. And it was stated very plainly, if you're going to live under my roof, you're going to do as I say. And, and it was never argued. And so I'm thankful for a mom that made sure we were in church 
you know, when the doors were open, and then also for my, my dad as well, Alvin, uh, making sure that they were intentional of reading the Bible, having devotions, those kind of things as well. I believe that I am doing what I'm doing today in part because of a godly mother and because of that heritage that was passed on from her, but it was also passed on to her from my grandparents, from her mom and dad, my grandpa and grandma Oldenkamp. I remember going as a child to their home every summer for one week, each set of grandparents. And I remember grandpa and grandma often, almost every meal, opening the Bible, reading out loud, the King James Bible, reading from the Bible. And, and that was just part of their daily life. The Word of God being important, serving God being important, that kind of thing. What I'm trying to say is the, the, the results of our parents' faith or lack thereof, really, really can impress our hearts as well. Uh, and so that is important, that we make sure that we are doing all we can as moms and dads to make sure that we are intentional about put, uh, uh, impressing faith upon their hearts. Uh, the scriptures teach that the mother is crucial to the family, in the family, and in the home. Someone has said this, Mothers write on the hearts of their children what the rough hand of the world cannot erase. Let me say it again. Mothers write on the hearts of their children what the rough hand of the world cannot erase. Moms, grandmas, grandpas, dads, if we don't do this, the world will disciple them in the ways of the world. That's why we need to do all that we can to make sure that we are discipling their heart because moms, uh, moms have a profound impact on their children. Intentional moms actually help set the trajectory of their children's lives. And so number one. Number two is this. Intentional moms have a practical impact on their children. Now what are some of the practical responsibilities of moms? Well for starters, moms must be able to communicate the truth of God's word. Going back to uh, Paul writing to Timothy, he said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. In other words, Timothy, when you were a little baby, your mama and your grandma started teaching you what they had back then as the word of God. How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, in other words, little Timothy was taught from childhood. Moms and dads, it's never too early to start reading to your babies, your grandbabies, the Word of God. Teach your kids God's Word. This is where the intentionality part comes in. Uh, we go back to the message paraphrase of 2 Timothy 3.15. Why, you, look, you took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. You took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children, teach them to your children, and to their children after them. And so basically what is being said here is, is this teaching to our kids needs to be deliberate. It needs to be intentional. 
The Hebrew word translated teach suggests repeating or telling over and over and over again. It's okay, moms and dads, to tell the same Bible stories over and over again. You know, I love to tell the story. It never gets old. I mean, the, the gospel story. Uh, this is the task, by the way, of the home and not some institution. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. He is speaking intentionally to parents here. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit where? At home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down, okay, morning time, and when you, uh, at night time, and when you get up in the morning time. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, we are told in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that as parents we have a job to do and it's not the church's job to disciple your kids. It's your job as parents to be the primary disciplers of your children. Dr. Rob Reno, many of you know him, he says the very first specific direction that God gives for how to impress a love for God on the hearts of our children is talking about the Lord when we sit together at home as a family. If we respond to this saying, well, we just have so much going on in our lives, this just isn't possible. It's not going to work for us. For us. Uh, Dr. Rob Reno says it may be that the schedule that you have chosen for your life and for your children is causing you to sin by violating the very, very specific instruction for biblical parenting. The very first biblical instruction is to do what I just read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if we say, well, I'm too busy, I don't have time, then, then we're too busy. All right, because God's first instruction for moms and dads is to impress on their children a faith a faith that is real, a faith that lasts. And I can guarantee you, moms and dads, from what I've read over the years, and I'm an expert here because we have no kids, uh, joke, of course, but I can guarantee you from everything I've read and talking with youth pastors and youth leaders as well as senior pastors over the years, that parents who live their faith out at home are more likely to have kids that live out their faith because they've seen it lived out in the example of their parents. And so we are simply impressing their hearts with a faith that lasts. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Once again, it's a given that moms are going to be intentional in impressing the hearts of their kids. Uh, Lois and Eunice, back to uh, what Paul was saying, Lois and Eunice not only communicated the truth, they demonstrated the truth in a practical and in a convincing manner. According to the complete biblical library commentary, my go-to in, in, in my commentary sets, it says this, at Lystra, Acts 16, Paul came across a young disciple named Timothy, short for Timotheus, meaning venerating or worshiping or honoring God. His mother was a believing Jewess named Eunice. His grandmother Lois was also a godly believer. His father, however, was a Greek probably a member of a, of a prominent and wealthy family, but apparently still unconverted. 
Fortunately, the faith, I love this part, the faith and training given Timothy by his mother and his grandmother had more effect on him than the unbelief of his father. They had trained him in the scriptures from earliest childhood. You talk about intentionality. This, no doubt, was a very difficult environment. This was what you might call a mixed marriage. Tim dad, Tim's dad, Timothy's dad, was a Greek. A scripture from last Sunday, from 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. The Greeks were not interested in eternal truth to believe and follow. They were only interested in hearing and arguing about new ideas like the Athenians in Acts 17 who spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Part of your lesson this morning, Pam, in Sunday school. In addition to this, they also believed that all matter was evil and that everything spiritual was good. The incarnation of Christ was utter foolishness to them. It was unthinkable that God would become a man and therefore be crucified to secure our salvation. Now, in spite of the apparent difficulties that no doubt Eunice and Lois faced, they faithfully demonstrated the reality of their genuine faith, which profoundly impacted the life of Timothy. The verse 14 says of, of 2 Timothy 3, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because, Paul writes to Timothy, you know those from whom you've learned it. Now, it's highly probable that Lois and Eunice came to faith in Christ to the ministry of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas during Paul's first missionary journey, which took Paul through Timothy's home of Galatia. As a result, it's also very possible that Paul stayed with them in their home and saw the reality of their faith being lived out and displayed in their home. As someone has said, a, Christian's, a Christian mother's most vital task is passing the faith on, not only by what she says, but by what she is. You've heard me say over the years, if your Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. We can all be Christians in the, in the confines of four walls. We go to church, well, I'm a Christian, you know. But does your faith work outside of these four walls? Does it work on the job when someone's wronged you? Does it work in the grocery store when the clerk has shortchanged you? You know, how is your demeanor? How is your attitude with that? Our faith ought to work outside these four, these four walls. Once again, we do so with humility. Back to Deuteronomy 6, 6. These commandments that I give you today will be upon your hearts. Impress them on the hearts of your children. Now, I can't impress on the hearts of my kids what I don't first possess. In other words, these commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. In other words, moms, dads, live it out. Live this faith out. Make sure that as you live it out, your kids can see you living it out, all right? Four scholars were arguing over the Bible translations, and one of them said he preferred the King James Version of the Bible because of its beauty, its eloquent Old English. 
Another said they preferred the American Standard Bible for its literalism, the way it moves the reader from passage to passage with confident feelings of accuracy of the original text. A third man preferred the Moffat translation because of its quaint, penetrating use of words, the turn of a phrase that captures the attention of the reader. Well, after giving it some thought, the fourth scholar admitted, I personally preferred my mother's translation. When the other, other scholars chuckled, he responded, yes, she translated it. She translated each passage of the Bible into life. It was the most convincing translation I have ever seen. What was that scholar saying? My mother lived her faith out. Now, are our mothers perfect? No, neither are our fathers, neither are our preachers, okay? Neither am I. None of us are. But we are being perfected, and we're doing what we can with intentionality to make sure that we are, we are securing the hearts of our kids and grandkids. And, and by the way, uh, you might have kids and grand, grandkids that aren't serving Christ right now. Moms, grandmas, don't give up on them. Keep on praying for them. As Pam also shared in Sunday school, you know, if you train them up in the way they should go when they're old they won't depart from it i don't know when old is i'm not there yet but hopefully your kids are going to come to faith in christ you're believing god you're saying as for me and my house our family's going to serve christ and so keep on praying keep on believing keep on uh just being intentional about imparting your faith to their hearts there might be some things where they get mad at you they don't want to hear what mom has to say they don't want to hear what grandma has to say but you keep on saying it anyway why because you love them you're going to tell them the truth amen all right that was all free number third third point is this the intentional moms have a prayerful impact on her children a prayerful impact on her children how many of you have had a mom or a grandma dad grandpa had parents or grandparents that has prayed for you my hands up all right, because of that, and because they prayed for me, uh, you know, you, I always say this, you, you, you're not going, if, if mom's praying for you, you're not going to escape her prayers. It's like the hounds of heaven are going to be nipping at your heels until you come to a place of repentance. And, and, and you might as well just get it over with because you're going to be miserable because honestly, you know too much not to surrender your life to Christ. Right? It's true. That's true. Abraham Lincoln's mother, Nancy Lincoln, had many hardships and disappointments, and yet she had the joy of help, helping encourage her boy. She spent many hours reading to Abraham Lincoln, reading to little Abraham the Bible. And Abraham Lincoln said later in life, says, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am and hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. He remembered her prayers. Susanna Wesley, mother of John Wesley and Charles, uh, spent one hour each day praying for her 17 children. Wow. I'm just thinking 17 children. I, I also read a story where she in her kitchen would pull her apron over her head and when mama had her apron over her head, don't bother mama because that was mama's quiet time. I mean, you don't have quiet time with 17 kids in a house. You know what I'm saying? But she, every, every, every week she spent one hour praying for her 17 children. In addition, 
She took each child aside for one full hour every week, 17 hours, to discuss spiritual matters. No wonder God would use Charles and John Wesley to touch America and bring blessing to America and to, and to touch the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. A woman once wrote to Gypsy Smith after an evangelistic campaign to tell him that she had been converted as a result of one of his sermons he preached. And she said this to him in his letter, the letter to him, I believe the Lord wants me to preach the gospel, Brother Smith, but the trouble is that I have 12 children to raise. What shall I do? She received this letter in reply. My dear lady, I am happy to hear that you have been saved and feel called to preach, but I am even more delighted to know that God has already provided you with a congregation of 12. <laughs> Wisdom right there. The new convert got the point. Back to Timothy, and I close with this. Timothy had a godly mother. Timothy had a godly grandma. And the, these, these ladies had their priorities straight. Timothy had a mom and a grandma who intentionally handed him down a sincere faith. It was first in them, then it was now in Timothy. They gave Timothy something that was precious in the sight of Almighty God. And as a result, this mother and this grandma gave this young man an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance that would last for eternity. If you're here today and your mom and your grandma has been influential in your life, thank God. Thank God for their influence in your life. An inheritance, a spiritual inheritance that would still be ours even after they're gone with Jesus. Moms, today we bless you. Because of your intentionality, you do have a profound impact on your kids. And not only a profound impact, but a practical impact on your kids as you get the Word of God in them. And you also have and will continue to have a prayerful impact on your family. It's a high calling from God. And today, in this church, we honor you, moms. We bless you. And we thank you for the wonderful ministry that you're enlisted in called motherhood. Amen. I want to ask all the moms to stand and come down to the front. If you're physically able to come down to the front, I want to speak blessing over all of our moms today. So moms, come on down. We have teenage boys as well. They're going to be coming and prepared once I get done blessing you. And before you're dismissed, we have a gift for all of our moms today. Wow, what a wonderful group of ladies. Amen. Let me pray over you. And the rest of you, if you want to stand, stretch your arms toward your mom or a hand toward your mom, if she's here this morning, and pray with me. Father, I pray that you would bless every mom at this altar today with all the promises of God, which in you are yes and amen. May you give each mom supernatural strength to be godly mothers and mothers of spiritual influence. As the Bible teaches, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. 
Father, give them the fruit of their hands and may their own works praise them in the gates. Moms, I pray that your children rise up and call you blessed and may you have the genuine faith as the Apostle Paul reminded, uh, remembered in Timothy's grandmother and mother and may you be influential mothers in passing that faith on to the next generation. May God bless each mom with strong, faith-filled, disciplined, and balanced minds, minds that are stayed on God so God can keep you in His perfect peace. May God bless each mother's ears to hear the lovely, the uplifting, and the encouraging and help their ears to shut out the negative and the demeaning. May their feet walk in holiness and may their steps be ordered by the Lord. May their hands be tender helping hands, helping those in need, hands that bless others. Father, bless every mom with a home where the spirit of God dwells, a home that is a sanctuary of rest and renewal, a home of peace where where sounds of joy and laughter grace its walls, where love and unconditional surrender uh, of, of each other's hearts and acceptance of one another would be consistent in that home. May goodness and mercy follow every mother all the days of her life. And may God you bless and keep and make your face shine upon our moms and our grandmas today. Moms, grandmas, we love you, we honor you, and we bless you today in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Let's